0: Hello there. Salim Omar here from the eCommerce Money Map Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I've got an amazing guest with us. His name is Leo Ebert. Leo, welcome. Hey, Salim. Good to be here. I'm so glad you've taken up on, me, on my invitation. I'm so looking forward to talking about a topic that is super important. And before we get into the questions, a very quick introduction, a quick bio on Leo Leo is the founder and president of Exact Click Digital, a boutique agency specializing in paid ads management. Now he began his career as a certified public accountant, much like me at Deloitte. I wasn't at Deloitte, but I am a certified public accountant. He started his career in Phoenix, Arizona. And then in 2007, he founded Exact Click Digital in his home, hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. And since founding this company, Leo and his team have helped dozens of brands drive over a million conversions through paid advertising. And what Leo is doing is touring podcasts to help educate e-commerce brands on ways to optimize their accounts on Google, Facebook, Bing, and Amazon. Welcome, Leo. And uh, why don't we start off perhaps share with us your backstory, 30 seconds, a minute, Give us a quick introduction from, you know, things that the brief bio did not share.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. As you pointed out, I started as a CPA and within about a year after I started the agency, what a lot of people don't know is why I started it was I read an article in a business magazine back in, you know, 2007 and they had this, a picture of this guy sitting poolside in the country of Cyprus. And he said, I buy lead on Google for local businesses and then I sell them to local businesses. And I, and I was kind of looking for a career change and I thought, Hey, I could probably figure that out. You know, I'm i I'm a CPA. I sat for the exam. I bet I could figure this out too. And that's what got me started in this career was just that little article. It was just a two page article in a magazine. Wow.
0: Something else. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've been at it for some 15 years or so. And uh, you've got an amazing website, and you know you've helped some big clients. Or you know somebody, you know on your on your homepage, you've got somebody from Shark Tank, somebody who appeared on Shark Tank. So e-commerce is your is your niche, folks that you work with. So let's talk about what's the best, you know, return on ad spend for e-commerce ads. Yeah, that's a really important question, and the the
1: real answer is there's no best that can be applied universally to everyone you know some people kind of approach their ads from a certain point of view and say i need to hit x roas you know return on ad spend i need to get 5 or i need to get 3 or i need to get 10 and the reality is it's a math question you have to figure out a couple of things what are your margins right you figure out what's the value of a sale today but even more importantly you have to look at lifetime value okay this is where someone like you and I, with our background, we know how to do that math. We know how to do the analysis and figure out what is your true value of a customer. You get a sale today. Well, that's worth X dollars. But in five years from now, they will have purchased, you know, who knows how many more times. And that math, will inform your ROAS, right? But a lot of e-commerce brands, they never get around to doing that math. Even if they do have the historical data, they just don't put in the time to say, okay, let's do the analysis. Let's figure out what a customer truly is worth to us, and then figure out what the ROAS should be based on that.
0: Yeah, great. Now, how does one segment their ads funnel for success?
1: Yeah. That's a really good question too. So the, the key perspective is you always start from the bottom of your funnel and work your way up. And the reason is because if you say, well, I just need more traffic. So I'm going to go out and get a bunch of top of funnel, cold traffic and, and send them to my website. Well, if you don't have an ads funnel that is in place to shepherd that traffic into buyers, then there's going to be a lot of wasted ad spend because most people, you know, if you expose your brand to a thousand people online, the vast majority of them will not buy from you the first time. They're going to need multiple touches. They're going to need to be educated on why your product's better, how you're actually solving a problem. And that takes ads. It takes retargeting. It takes a funnel that Mm -hmm. is going to bring these people through to the final purchase. So you always start at the bottom. Your most valuable traffic is abandoned carts. Obviously, that's that's pretty standard. Then you work up your way from there and you say, okay, everyone who engages with me has a certain value assigned to them. Someone who abandoned a cart uh, five days ago is really valuable to me. Someone who logged a single page view two months ago, they're not as valuable because they only showed that small amount of interest, and it's been you know eight weeks since it happened. So you have to segment your campaigns in your funnel based on the amount of time that has passed and the level of engagement they took. And when you do that, you can assign the proper value to each bucket within that funnel, and you get some amazing results when you do that.
0: So what are some, some things, Leo, that you think about when you're designing an ad funnel? And let's say it's, you know, somebody that opts in, right? A common, common scenario in an e-commerce company, somebody opts in into your email list. What are you thinking as you're, as you're putting the funnel together and really it's from top to bottom. So that's a
1: pretty, in my view, a, a kind of a medium level of engagement. Okay. So. They've come to the site. They like what they see. They're saying, I want to hear from you. And if they opt in, it's better than just say someone who comes to your site and logs one page view and they bounce off the site. Mm. That person is valuable to you, right? Whereas someone who went through the buying process and came this close to buying, they, they put something in their cart. They just didn't complete the checkout. Mm. That's, that's generally your highest value. So someone that comes in and they, They subscribe to your email list. That's, that's kind of middle of the road. So you definitely, they are valuable to you, right? Um, and what a lot of people miss on email is most email nowadays is not seen, you know, especially from, from a marketing perspective, you know, it ends up in the promotions folder of Gmail or it gets logged as spam. But those people have said, I want to hear from you. So what you should do is take your entire email list. Say anybody who is not opening my emails. Let's say I'm, I'm sending out a list of 10,000, 3,000 of those people have not opened an email in six months. They're still on my list. They have not unsubscribed. They're just not getting my emails. So I want to pull those people into Facebook as an audience and try to reengage them, remind them, hey, I'm still here. You may have forgotten about me, prior are seeing my emails, but guess what? We have a deal right now. Or guess what? We have a product that's going to fit really well with the thing you bought from us 6 months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a gold mine of people and you definitely need to try to harvest that.
0: Got it. So when somebody opts in, you know, you've got the the email nurture that's happening, an email sequence that's going to them periodically and so forth to engage them further and then what you're doing is retargeting them as well. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And so you,
1: you want to fill that that gap of of on-deliverability. so you might have promotions going once a month or every week or, or every quarter, right? But if the people aren't getting the email, they never know unless they can. Unless you have another way to reach them, and Facebook's a great way to do that. We can make sure that our email offer gets in front of that entire email list on Facebook or on Instagram or TikTok or wherever.
0: Yeah, that's a great segue into my next question. What's the best marketing channel for for a brand? For a listener listening to this, they've got a brand. What, you know, is it Google versus Facebook? What what you know is that kind of yeah, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, and that's another one of those. I hate, to, you know, CPAs are notorious and lawyers too for saying it depends, right? That's kind <laughs> of <laughs> people hate to hear that answer, but it yeah. does depend. So there are a few things to keep in mind. If you have a product that is There's a high existing demand. So there is a large group of people that know what your product is. They may not know who you are or your brand, but they know what your product is and they're looking for it. That means they're going to be going to Google and they're going to be typing, you know, whatever the product is, you know, it can be, you know, ball caps or whatever they're typing that in. You want to harness that and get in front of that and maximize the benefit of people looking for you. Right. That's, that's probably your lowest hanging fruit. And that's. That's the way you should always look at this is what's the lowest hanging fruit right now for my my business. So it's probably Google Shopping and some Google Search, probably. Okay. Now I say probably because if you have a really strong social game or social presence with your brand, you have really great assets, you have a customer base that is just extremely loyal and loves your brand, then your lowest hanging fruit is probably on social. Okay. So you'd want to leverage that first. And not that you can't leverage them all at the same time, but if you're trying to say, what's the biggest impact today, my biggest bang for my buck, that's how you would look at it. And generally, it's going to be either Google Shopping on the one hand or Facebook slash Instagram on the other. Those are going to be kind of your two top channels generally.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the best way to test you know, with ad spend? Uh, you know, Testing is so important with paid money. Otherwise, you can be throwing lots of money. So testing every through it. Every stage of the game is so important. What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, there are a few main things you want to always be testing. And that's, and that's one, I guess, the overriding principle of testing is you need to always have a piece of your budget carved out for that because you don't know what you don't know. And it's amazing sometimes, even for someone like me who's been doing it for so long, um, when we test something in an ad account, and we're like, I, did, I wasn't sure that was going to work, but it works. And then we can, you know, because we see so many ad accounts, we can end up deploying it to other clients. But creative is a big thing. And it's not always what you think it's going to be. Sometimes the creative that is the least, you know, glamorous or the least professional looking does, usually that's what does the best. Okay. now it has got to stay on brand, obviously, but you don't have to get the highest production value to get the biggest benefit from your creatives. The other thing that you'd want to test is campaign objectives. So within Facebook and Google, there are a ton of different campaign objectives, ton of different audience types. So you want to with those. Sometimes, for example, in Google, sometimes the smart campaigns are great, like Performance Max sometimes is wonderful. In other ad accounts, it's not. It can depend on the niche. It can depend on your audience or the keyword traffic or how Google uses the Performance Max for your account in particular. So the only way you'll figure those things out is, is if you're willing to test, try it, and then measure the results.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know what's the, like the predominant reason or reasons why prospects engage with an ad. Yeah, the, initially, if it's social,
1: the initial reason is always visual. Okay, almost always. Hmm. Most people are not, you know, as they're scrolling through their their app on Facebook it's not the words usually that get their attention. You know, maybe if you use an emoji, that could be it, but it's it's almost always the image or the video. That's what's going to get their interest initially and get them to stop this, okay? And this is what everybody's doing on their phone. They're always Mm -hmm. doing this swipe up and just going down the feed, right? So if you want them to stop, you've got to intrigue them enough visually to get them to stop, okay? On the Google side, it's going to be more dollars and cents, meaning... If I'm on Google Shopping, you know, that's a price comparison tool, essentially. So I've got to be competitive price-wise, but you can also use other tools like the promotions, which which is very under leveraged. And what I mean by promotions is it could be free shipping, it could be, you know, $5 off, whatever, just any kind of a promotion, um, because that gives you a special label on the ad and people respond to that. In the search ads themselves you know it is more a question of the ad text you know are you are you are you responding to them according to the keyword search that they used right so if someone's typing in a very specific keyword search they're expecting to see that in the ad text right so you need to be close to it to get their attention right get their eyes on it so it depends a little bit on the channel like i said so in some it's more visual and others it's more of a math thing like
0: pricing or shipping hmm 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 how important is, is it to get in the head of the, the prospect and really use words, you know, copy that resonates, that they resonate with? Yes.
1: And this, this is, uh, something, you know, a lot of, a lot of brands, it's kind of like their prospects can't hear them, right? It's like you're talking and the people you're talking to, they cannot hear you. And mm. there's a reason for that. It's not because, uh, It's not because you don't have something of value to say, it's that you're not answering a question that they have in that moment, okay? So as an example, if I'm selling a product to someone that does not know that I exist, they have no idea who I am, well, they're going to have very different questions or very different concerns than someone that's been on my email list for five years and just hasn't bought from me in a while, right? Those are just two very different conversations, You know, the the second person knows me. They know my product. They probably like my product. They just haven't thought about me in a while or they've just forgotten or they didn't know I had a promotion going. So that's why at every point in your funnel, we talked about the funnel a few minutes ago and you're starting from the bottom and you're working your way up. You have to think about the voice you're using. You have to think about the questions that the person has at that point in the funnel, all right? So you mentioned someone that had just subscribed to our email list. You know, their questions... Are not the same as someone who has been on the email list for three years or someone who has never heard of us. So Mm. that's why you have to consider that in your copy and, you know, craft it accordingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we got to give them the prospect a good reason why they should continue listening to us or they should listen to us or should they should pay attention to us? And I mean, I, I don't know. The word relevant really resonates with me. You know, really giving information that's relevant to a prospect and relevance is going to change from person to person. So we really got to understand our prospects and where they're at, you know, in their journey with us, where they're at in their journey, in their life, and just like total in totality understanding them as much as we can so that we can give them content or ads, marketing copy that's relevant to them. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. That is, that is the key, you know, and, and you need to put yourself in their shoes as and mm. that you are them understand, understand them inside and out, what they need to know and what they're looking to to hear in this particular moment in their journey.
0: Yeah. 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 This is so good, man. Uh, it really, really enjoying the the insights that, that you're sharing with us. And I've got, you know, I see that we are, you know, looking at the clock, we've got a few minutes before we finish off. Uh, Leo, give us some advice on, you know, a listener, a viewer watching this, they're at a million dollars in their e-commerce business. They want to take you to their $5 million mark that you're sitting in front of them eye to eye, you know, what are, what's some advice you're giving them?
1: Yeah, that's, that's always going to come down to a single word, which is scale, right? They're looking for scale. Mm. So they, if they've got a million dollar brand already, they've figured out most of the basic problems. You know, they've got a product that people want. They know that they know what they should be charging for it. They know what they their margins are. They know, you know, the sourcing of the product for, for all that kind of stuff. And they're looking to grow. It's simply a question of scaling it. Okay. And that's where you have to be prepared to expand your budget up. That's not going to sacrifice all of that ROAS, Right which is where it's it, it can get very tricky. That's where uh, a lot of brands run into the problems. They say, "Hey, I just I'm getting, you know, 3x or 5x or whatever number I'm getting, I'm just going to triple my budget and expect to maintain that ROAS." It doesn't usually work that way. Okay. You have to be prepared for some turbulence in the account itself while you kind of retool everything. And You have to build it in a different way. If you're going to be a 5 million dollar brand, your approach within your ads funnel is going to be different than when you're a 1 million dollar brand, right? But once you Kind of figure out those questions and start building it out. They, it's just, it's just saying, Hey, what's my lowest hanging fruit today right now? Is it Google ads? Is it, you know, expanding my Google shopping presence or is it getting into YouTube ads? Is it, um, you know, expanding what I'm doing on Instagram or is it pushing into something like TikTok? Right. Uh, those are always good. They're always going to be growing pains, but that's just part of it. And if you do it correctly, you can scale to that level that you're looking for.
0: Yeah. That's great. So I want to. Kind of take a a, a make a shift and ask you something more personal along your entrepreneurial journey. You've been at it for fifteen years. You work with so many different types of e-commerce businesses, so you've been in the entrepreneur world quite quite a bit. But and for yourself in your entrepreneurial journey, what have been like one or two lessons, uh, observations that that you've made that have really Kind of mistakes you may have made, lessons you've learned from 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 that
1: yeah, I would say the, the first one I would say is mentorship slash coaching can really be valuable uh, and and the reason is you know, if you're an entrepreneur, it's very easy to get into our, inside our own heads, and we just have a hard time getting outside of ourselves and seeing it from the outside in. And that that can work, you know, in a lot of different ways. Manifests in a lot of different ways. We can be overly critical or not critical enough of our decision making. If you have another person that's smart, that's been through the journey, they they know what to watch out for, and they're just seeing you from that outside perspective. They can really point out those blind spots, okay, and help you get over a hurdle that you may have never noticed, never never even recognized as a hurdle, and it's taking taking much longer to ask it, right? So I believe in that coaching and mentoring from smart people that are, um, um, you know, and you just pay them for it. But it's, in my opinion, worth it if you find the right person. The other thing is, I think just having a, I I really subscribe to the sink or swim theory that I talked about when I left my career as an accountant. I, I put myself in that position. It's sink or swim. It's do or die. I have to do this in order to get where I want to go. So I, I believe if you just approach your business from the perspective of, I'm going to figure this out, there might be some difficulties. There are more than likely going to be some late nights here and there, some lost sleep on occasion. But if you just take that approach, that, I will do this. I will figure this out. I'll do what I need to do. Then as long as you don't stop trying, you really can't ever lose.
0: Yeah, that's great. Good advice. Yeah, totally resonate. Totally resonate with the first one with coaching, mentoring. Uh, I've been at it for 26 years in, in business, in entrepreneurship. Worked as a CFO before that, but that was, you know, uh, very different than entrepreneurship. And you know, very quickly realized that I didn't know what I didn't know, and I have blind spots. And so it was getting mentors, and you know, really, really keeping that open mind, a curious mind. Trying to always have the humility, you know, being humble enough to know that I don't know and then seeking the answers and really being in that environment where there is a mentor or coach where I'm interacting with like-minded folks as well. Sometimes you learn quite a bit from that as well, that interaction as well as, as much as you do from the, from the coach and the mentor. So yeah, that's really been, really been very, very, very helpful for me. And you know I've just been a huge proponent of self development and you know really investing in myself as a, so that I can give more, I can do more, I can be more so yeah that that mentality has really really been helpful for me, so i wanna i wanna kind of echo what you what you shared there leo you know with with that, and really you know managing a business by numbers is so important i mean that's what I do in my profession as a CPA and working with e-commerce brands, but really it's something what you do as well is like, there's that measurement, you know, the return on ad spend, right? We started off with that. It's like, let's measure, you know, let's measure what's working, what's not and tweaking it. I think overall, if we look at our business from that standpoint, right, what's working, what's not, let's do more of what's working. Let's do less of what's not working, right? So and that's, I think, you know, that's kind of my two senses on that. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And that's, I think that's part of why my career
1: transitioned so well over to what I do, because it's analytical. You have to look at the numbers and say, okay, you know, what's making the money and what's not, let's cut off the things that don't and let's build on the
0: things that are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think your website does a pretty decent, good job of trimming, trimming that end as well. So I encourage everyone to go to your website. But what's the best way, Leo, for folks to reach out to you? Yeah. My website would be exactclickdigital.com.
1: Uh, there are a few things on there. You can obviously schedule a call if you want to talk to me, but there are a couple of free guides. So if you have a current digital marketer, you're wondering, how do I know if they're doing the best job? There's a mini course on there that describes the, you know, how to audit your digital marketer. There's another one that talks about the top five mistakes that people make in their ad accounts. And again, those are totally free. There's, you know, you can just jump on there and watch those short videos. They're very value. You know, I made them short and kind of value packed on purpose so that people could digest them easily and quickly, Mm -hmm. get to their bottom line answer and decide if they need to talk to someone like me or not. Great. So
0: good. Leo, thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you, Celine. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Ecommerce commerce money map podcast.